0: Well, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever time it might be right now. But you are listening to the Net Worth Podcast, a podcast based around handicapping and trying to find value in women's tennis. I'm joined this week by Spread Astaire, who you can, of course, find on Twitter, at Spread Astaire. This is noops at underscore noops on Twitter. Unfortunately, we are not joined by our good buddy Jorge at Jorge Tweets Tennis. Um, he's had a really wonderful opportunity in his personal life and his career, um, so he needs to really give that the focus and um, work that it really deserves. So you know, now that we've said a, a few nice things and really wished him well, you know, spread anything uh, mean and nasty to say to Jorge now that he's abandoned us.
1: Uh, no, nothing nasty, but just wanted to point out that he will be back once he takes care of this stuff. So for the listeners that were listening for uh, Jorge's wonderful wisdom, he will be back. So uh, you'll have to, just have to bear with uh, Noops and I for a couple of weeks.
0: I know that sounds terrible, and hopefully you guys can suffer through with us, but you know, we'll do <laughs> our best. So, as I'm sure everybody at this point knows, we had a very interesting finish to the U.S. Open as uh, Naomi Osaka beat Serena Williams in two sets. And at this point, unfortunately, what you know, was a really great por- performance by Naomi Osaka was really overshadowed by, um, to be nice, some interesting behavior by Serena Williams. Um, you know, unfortunately, I was unable to watch the match live, so didn't have a great feel for kind of what the attitude is, you know, I've read up on a little bit. But, spread. I know that you had your eyes peeled and glued to the TV. So, you know, what did you see? Kind of what did you feel about what happened? Give us your thoughts.
1: All right. Well, it's already been discussed many a time, so we'll try and keep this brief. But uh, basically watching, first of all, it was great television. I mean, regardless, I mean, I couldn't keep my eyes off it. And I've never been, usually, you know, the trophy ceremonies I can hit or miss. I mean, you had to see it. It was must-see TV. So we'll go ahead and give that the credit it deserved. As far as the actual violations and breaking it down, um, you know, I really feel for all parties involved, but uh, I think that the original coaching call, I don't don't think that that really should have been a penalty. I think it should, you know, obviously it was a warning, but um, stuff like that happens all the time. And with the coaching, um, it really frustrates me about that being a rule um, because I think it becomes very vague as far as what is coaching. And I, I just think it's very poorly worded. Um, we're kind of used to the players having dialogues with their boxes and, you know, talking to their boxes and things like that throughout the whole match. Like uh, someone pointed out, you know, Sevastova has a running dialogue with her box the whole, the whole match, you know. And I, I didn't see that warrant at all. So I, the first part is the rule is uh, incredibly arbitrary, incredibly subjective, hard to enforce and it puts all parties in a, in a tough situation. Um, the next thing that I would have to point out is that um, it's the second violation, obviously the racket abuse occurred. So you have to give her that one. And then the third one, I mean, I think Paul Anacon said it best, is that I think that Ramos could have given her a couple more warnings as far as the verbal abuse to go ahead and take the game. And I really thought it marred uh, the whole match really rough for Osaka you know I'm, I, I'm a fan of hers I like her game I like her personality I think she's fun to watch I think she's good for the game so I think it was really tough on her um, and her moment to be overshadowed like this but my main takeaway is that I think the coaching should I uh, to your box and stuff that should just be it should be allowed I mean I don't I don't Regulating is just too hard because you get to the point where you say, "Come on!" Now it's "Come on," coaching. I mean, I say "Come on" when I'm working with younger people or trying to, you know, be a coach or a mentor. I'll say, "Come on, let's go, let's go, come on." I mean, technically that's coaching. So, uh, this it, it is the thing where any interaction with your box can be construed as coaching. So I just think it's a poor rule, and we should just get rid of it altogether.
0: It's really disappointing to see the end of a major tournament. You know, U.S. Open, a Grand Slam, something that will be a really key moment for any player, let alone your first time. And, you know, again, this match is going to be remembered for something else. Uh, It's disappointing any time that you see an official really get involved in a big moment like this. Obviously, we have rules. They have to enforce those rules. And not to say anything, you know, bad about the official, I'm sure, in the moment, you know, he really thought he was doing his job to the best of his abilities. But you have to really question, you know, going and being that specific and, and really, you know, making a decision that, is really influential and is really changing something that has you know, big historical relevance. So I think that's probably enough talk about that. You know, like you mentioned, it's really been talked about ad nauseum at this point, and I'm sure a lot of you guys have your opinions already, but important that we touch on it just a little bit. Um, you know, before we move on, a little bit to a recap of the US Open. Any other thoughts spread about Osaka, her performance? You know, a really great tournament for her. I know you're a fan of her, so you know, are you expecting big things going forward?
1: Uh, definitely. I think that we will see probably like a slam slump. Um, so I don't know how much. And obviously the value is going to be just destroyed for this Asian swing coming up. So I don't know how much we'll be backing her on outrights. But just as far as the future of the game, great ground strokes and the ability to dial up the serve. Um, the game at 5-4 at in the second set after, you know, all the drama and all the shenanigans had gone down. And then Serena um, basically served herself a game, you know, to cut it to 5-4. And then for Osaka to just come up and she's hitting between 110 and 120 on every, and every first serve and for her to just nail them. And even the serve at the end of the game, I think really that's where, um, her game can be underrated is the fact that she can dial that serve up. And before, when I had thought about her, I'd always thought about the huge ground strokes and how that she can turn, you know, even the the strongest attacking players and defenders. Cause you know, she can hit with, with all the other girls on tour and she packs as much of a punch as any, as any of the other women on tour. But, uh, the serve was really what impressed me this week and her, her ability to get an inconsistency was, think, consistently was i think the reason she was.
0: it was a really impressive tournament for her and you know as we start to look at some of the takeaways you know if you want to hear some of our thoughts about some of the earlier rounds in each quarter specifically you can take a listen to last week's episode but just to look at a couple big takeaways um you know seeing a player like naomi osaka win the tournament in a tournament where you know i saw a lot of success from a lot of younger players um, you saw Arena Sabalanka make the quarterfinals. Um, you know, we had Madison Keys make the quarterfinals. Um, a lot of young players, Marquetta Vandrasova, won three matches and, and looked really impressive. You know, someone to really be excited about coming up in the future. Um, you know, although Sloan Stevens had a little bit of a letdown, you know, still some great matches and, and proved that there's a lot of talent there. Um, Anastasia Anastasia Sevistova. Um, You know, beating Sloan Stevens gave us a lot. So, a lot of young players here to really be excited about, not just Naomi Osaka going forward. You know, Spread, what did you take away from the week, kind of in the last couple weeks in total?
1: All right. So, the main thing that I took away just from our uh, gambling perspective is I'm going to be looking to back Marquette Vondrasova a lot in 2019. I was very impressed with her. I uh, mentioned last week, you know, that I'd seen her on the Challenger blowing people away and I was waiting for her time and. Uh, this really looked like it was it. She had the, the tough loss to Kiki Burton's there, um, but she played great, and Kiki's been playing great this summer. Um, so I, I thought that was a great match. Um, you know,
0: yeah, because, it's really. Oh, oh yeah, she beat really,
1: Burton's. I'm sorry, and then she lost the next round. But um,
0: yeah, yeah, really exciting win for Burton's. For well, me and not some of our other compatriots holding Kiki Burton's tickets.
1: Right, yeah, she beat Burton, excuse me for that, and then uh, uh, she lost to Sarenko after that. But um, just, uh, uh, just a great performance from her, and uh, like I said, I'm going to stay away from some of these European players on this Asian swing, but in 2019, I expect to be uh,
0: riding a lot of Vondrasova tickets. Absolutely, a name we're going to be sh- be sure to write down. Um, the one other thing I, I didn't mention at first was I'm going to be diving in a little bit to this more kind of in the upcoming weeks. But really, seemed like we had a lot of short matches. You know, a lot of six ones, a lot of six twos, um, a ton of two setters. Um, just flipping through, um, you know, the match between Sorenko um, and Avanesov uh, went three sets. We had three sets with Sabalenka and Osaka, but pretty much every match from the quarterfinals out looks like to be about a two-set match, so I'm going to be looking forward to diving back into those numbers a little bit, trying to see what they look like, and you know, hopefully releasing you know a piece this week um, on deepdive.co Co uh, with a couple of my other things um, to dive into that a little more. So it's a really great U.S. Open. Uh, we're excited, looking forward the next season in the majors again but we do have a couple tournaments this week two smaller events we have a 250 in hiroshima and a 250 in quebec city um now these are interesting tournaments in that they're the week after a major you know you see a lot of interesting things obviously players build their entire years around majors the u.s opens a really big event uh, you know, so coming off that, you have players that played really well, players that didn't. Um, there's a lot of trouble trying to find motivation. There's a lot of travel here. Um, so, spread. What are your thoughts on looking at some of the not only these smaller tournaments, but you know either right before or after a major?
1: Uh, I I try to stay away from them, and that's only due to my uh, historical uh, poor poor performance and poor results in picking these tournaments. I think a lot of the times um, it's really tough to gauge the motivation and uh, the physical wear and tear that uh, these women are coming into the tournament with so sometimes I find them uh, very unpredictable Um, what I do like to do though is uh, try and make it kind of like an underdog only week Um, I just uh, I know during the majors and stuff we like to do square parlays where we might take two or three favorites and not worry about uh, laying the spread you know and just take the you know just money line money line money line And I think that works pretty well for us, you know, at the U.S. Open, and it's the bigger tournaments, the Masters 1000s. But at these smaller events, that doesn't work. So what I will be doing is I'll be trying to identify dogs of, like, plus 200 or more. And, um, you know, we'll try and hit on those, uh, take advantage of some big names that might be unprepared or or just there to collect the appearance fee and um, try and capitalize that way. And let's see what else are we going to be looking into. So the first thing we've got going on is we have. Um, we'll start with Hiroshima.
0: So, yeah, we'll grab so oh, into Hiroshima. Sorry, okay, here you go. You were muted. <laughs> well, I hope everybody enjoyed that that brief break. So yeah, just to, to finish uh, kind of what you were talking about a little bit. You know, be careful this week. Avoid the big favorites. You know, unless you find something you really like, you know, try to really watch and see what players you know are looking to advance here. Um, but let's take a dive into Hiroshima again. We've got 32 women playing this week. Uh, we've got the bracket pulled up here in front of me. Shuai Zhang, um, I'm sorry, Shuai Zhang is going to be the number one seed this week. Um, at the top of the bracket, we see Suwei uh, Shea in the bottom half. So let's try to you know take a look at the top half and the bottom half, and then we can you know maybe look at some outrights um, as we look at the tournament in total. So as you look at that top half spread, what are you seeing?
1: All right, well one thing that I did want to point out is that DS will be the defending champion here. But uh, last year this was played in Tokyo. This will be the first year in Hiroshima. Uh, I don't know how much that affects things, but obviously not the same court. so. One thing to note. Um, so we got the defending champion Diaz and Shuaizang. Pretty much, uh, that's the only thing that really jumps out to me in that whole quarter, you know. They're the top two that I'm looking at. Poots should be fun to watch, and I expect her to win a couple rounds, but I don't think she can win the whole tournament, and um, I I just, honestly, I see a a lot of opportunities here in these early rounds to fade some of the European and the American players.
0: Yeah, Yeah, that was something we were talking a little bit about before we got started. You were mentioning you'd like to fade some of the Americans and the Eastern Europeans here. Um, is that just really a travel spot for you or, or maybe a motivation spot since, you know, they're so far away from home? Um, what do you think in there? What have you seen in the past?
1: Uh, I'm thinking it's all three. I, I think that sometimes it's travel, uh, uh, fatigue motivation, and also the third thing is a lot of times in these uh, tournaments, although I do not think this will be an issue in Hiroshima. I'd have to check, though. I know that the humidity can be a problem sometimes, too, and uh, a lot of these players probably will be physically drained coming off the taxing week in the open, uh, so it'll be easy. That's one that's one thing that I do like about Diaz's chances here is that she had a very short open, uh, much to my dismay, because I had her advancing kind of far. But uh, <laughs> She lost in the first round of Pliskova, so she should be well-rested, traveled, and, and ready to go.
0: You know, when I take a look, I'm seeing a lot of the same things. Um, you know, Shuai Zhang is, is a very good player. She's the number one seed here for good reason, in my opinion. Don't really see too much trouble for her, um, you know, she's got Magdalena Freck here at the beginning, and then the winner of Habina, Jeannie Bouchard, I know Jeannie Bouchard is a very popular player, um, but don't expect her to really give Zhang too much trouble if they were to meet there in that second round, um, you know, Diaz, same thing, you know, her first two matches don't look to be too bad, she should beat Tormo without too much of a problem, And then you know we have that match Zhang and and Diaz and really the winner of that is set up in great shape to make it to the final. Um, You know when you look at sort of the the bottom half of the top half here, you see Punitseva, you you see Sai Sai Zhang. Um, Sai Sai Zhang has a pretty solid game. I could actually see her win in a couple matches here, but you know neither her nor 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 Putinseva really I think has the game to really beat the winner of that Zhang Diaz match. And I think we'll definitely be looking for one of those two uh, ladies in the final. So what do you think of their outright prices? I'm taking a look here, Um, you know, what we've got on five dimes for those two. Um, You know, Zhang here's at seven to one. We've got Diaz at 11 to one. Will you be investing any capital on either of them this week?
1: Uh, You know, my favorite was um, Wang at eight to one. And we had mentioned that she was really impressive in the U.S. Open. Uh, You know, she had a very good performance there. She beat... um,
0: We we'll just discussed it too. Oh, uh, Ray Barakova. Oh,
1: yeah, uh, Ray Barakova, which I think was a good win, and then um, she beat Begu, which we kind of, you know, poo pooed, and then she played very well against uh, Spitalina, even though she wasn't able to pull it out. So I do like her chances here at eight to one.
0: Yes, yeah, so when you look at the bottom half, there. That's. We'll start with her. Um... You know, what do you think of her draw? I don't see too much in the way of opposition. We've got Magda Lynette there as an eighth seed, but that doesn't really scare me in, in any way, shape or form. I I think, like you mentioned, she has a really nice walk into the into the quarterfinals there with a chance to make the I'm actually the semifinals even to make the finals.
1: And I wouldn't um, be surprised if Zidanec beat Lynette. So I, I could see Wang not even matching up.
0: That's interesting. That's, let me take a look at some of Zidanec's numbers. I think Linette, Lynette, you're right, usually um, I don't wonder if that's maybe even a name recognition thing. I'm not sure if she's a popular player, but you know when I, when I look at a lot of her um, her lines, they don't really make a whole lot of sense to me from a numbers perspective. So um, it could be a good opportunity, like you said, to look for a dog here. Um, you know Zidansk, not a ton of matches I think played at this level, but that's an interesting look ahead match there. Um, now do you see anybody in the bottom half of that second half there? You know, we've got Tom Lajanovich, we've got uh, Shea. Anybody from there that really gives you any concern that you think could have a good week?
1: Yeah, obviously uh, Shway and Tom, Tom Lonavich, <laughs> uh would be the biggest problems. But honestly, I, I, we have a colleague that likes Tom, Tom Lanovich at 12-1 at this one, and I, I'm not against that. I don't think that's a, a very bad play. But one thing I do worry about is her form hasn't been the best right now, um, but she did show flashes over the summer. Um, and then Shway, we talked about just being a very solid player. So once it gets there, uh, you know, anything can happen in that match. So uh, at at 10 to 1, she might even give you a little better value there. Um, I just probably because I watched more of Wang at the U.S. Open, I'm just
0: yeah, you know when you take a look look at the bracket there, you know Tom Tom Lanovich, you know a really skilled player, you know by the numbers looks really good. Um, should you know be able to win those first two matches and give Shea uh, probably a tough time if not win. You know whereas if you look at kind of Wang's group there, you know, the best player really by the name of the numbers is probably Lynette, and like we said, nothing to really be too afraid there. So I think you're right. I think when we take a look at Wang at eight to one, um, you're holding an eight to one ticket for someone who you know, has a really good chance to make the semifinals here. Um, and at the bottom half, I like you said, I do like Shea. She's a very good player, and um, you know, I think she does perform well in these kind of tournaments. So, you know, I'd, I'd expect her not to, you know, really do anything to lose a match, but she could definitely be beaten. So, you know, we take a look at Wang here. Um, you know, like we mentioned, we've got Diaz um, at 11-1. to 1. That number's actually probably right, maybe a little bit of value there. Um, and then Zhang at 7-1. to 1. I don't know if that's something that you liked or not, but... That looks actually probably just about right to me as well.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Zhang won the tournament, but I don't think you're getting the value at 7-1, to one, although 8-1 to one isn't that much better. Um, actually, looking at it more, I think Shea uh, might be the best value at 10-1 to one just because you're getting the extra odds.
0: Yeah, I worry about that match with Tomlanovich and, again, having to beat Wang, whereas you know, Wang, again, kind of has a walk there. So I think I'm with you on Wang, and I think that I'll probably end up having just a little bit... Um, Maybe on Diaz. Um, I just I like that number at 11-1. to 1, I think she has a real good chance to come out of the top half. But, um, yeah, those are two numbers that I'll, I'll be looking at. Any other thoughts before we dive into Quebec? Uh, no, that's about it. So as we, we move to the other side of the world, um, in Quebec City we'll have another 250 tournament with another 32 women. Um, Arena the Amazonian Warrior Sabalanka here is a one seed. I'm fairly certain that she's never been a one seed in her career, so a pretty big moment for her. Um, as everyone knows at this point, I am just an overwhelming and gushing, unapologetic fan of her, so really excited uh, for her. Um, you know, Any thoughts, spread as you look at the top half here?
1: Okay, well, the first thing I wanted to point out is this is, this is on carpet. So, uh, Sabalenka... This is really set up for her to do well here. I mean, it's on carpet. Her serve is going to be overwhelming. Um, so that was one thing that kind of threw me off. Um, I was surprised. I, You know, you just don't see carpet very often. So I'm hoping that WTA TV uh, televises these because don't, they don't get every tournament. And I really want to watch the carpet. I think that's going to be fun um, for Sabalenka. We had mentioned earlier, though, at plus 250, Uh, I don't think the value is there to just place an outright on her right now. If you do like Sabalenka, um, which, and this is probably something I'll do, I think I'll just start an open parlay with her um, and just try and parlay. And I think I'll get much better.
0: Yeah, I I think that's a great strategy. And actually, could you maybe talk a little bit more about carpet? Um, You know, maybe for some for some of us that are a little less familiar with that surface. You know, people are are generally think you know tennis at this point is played on grass, clay, and hard courts, but we do still have a few carpet tournaments. So, you know, in terms of carpet, is it harder to control the ball a little bit? Is it moving a lot faster? Just any general thoughts or, or tips for thinking about carpet tournaments?
1: Yeah, the funny thing is carpet was actually pretty popular in the '80s. There's a lot of tournaments on carpet that aren't on carpet anymore. Um, but just to give you a brief rundown, uh, it does play very, very fast. Um, so big servers are traditionally like the carpet tournaments. Um, you'll get a lot of quick points, and um, I, I tend to favor the big hitters on carpet. And it makes for a lot of fun, exciting tennis. If you like uh, the style of tennis that you see at Wimbledon, um, you should you should really like this. And I would almost, um, if you're you know new to handicapping, I would almost just ha- handicap carpet with your grass. Down.
0: That's that's some great tips. So I'll be personally, like you said, looking at some grass numbers this week. And as you look at this top half, there really is not too many players that should be getting in Arena Sabalanka's way here. Um, You know, like you mentioned, we should be really looking for big hitters. And I don't see one that I think really has the game to deal with hers. And you know, 250 is a really aggressive price. And it makes sense when you look at the draw. But you know, from a handicapping perspective, we're always looking for value, and plus 250 um, really is not a great number. So I think you, you've got a great strategy there, and taking a look at you know opening up a parlay here and just grabbing every money line as she goes along, and you know I think you'll end up with something better than than plus 250 for sure. Um, taking a look at the bottom half of the draw here, uh, you know we see Monica Puig as the three seed, very interesting. Petra Martic at the two. Uh, what are you seeing there in the bottom half spread?
1: Uh, value-wise, if you want to go ahead and place a bet that will be hedgeable for the future, um, I like Puig at 12-1, to and I know you had mentioned Safarova at 9-1, to but those two have a very good chance of uh, meeting Sabalenka in the final. So if you could uh, you know, make a choice between either of those two players, um, you know, decide who you think that could win that potential matchup, and then place that future, you could set yourself up very nice for the final if this goes as chalky as we expect. Um, I think someone to look out for in this part of the bracket uh, if we're looking for potential upsets or even better would be Sofia Kennan at plus 2200 Um, Kennan played very well at the US Open very impressed with her maturation process and um, You know really looking for big things for her Uh, maybe 2019 I I might be a little slow on her um, Going in on the Asian swing, but definitely like Kennan and I'm looking forward to her match You know if everything goes right against Puig, I think that should be good and then we mentioned, uh, you know, Safarova, that we had appreciated her, and another name that I mentioned earlier, Petra Martic, coming straight off the Challenger win from Chicago. Uh, she, I really enjoyed watching her play at the U.S. Open too, and I'm be looking to back her. The thing that I'd be worried about for this week is an outright would be fatigue, and uh, coming off, you know, she just played a match today, um, and at only plus five fifty, I don't think you're getting any value at all. Um, but Martic could take out Safarova. Um, Beat. Also, to note on the possible Martich Safarova match, if I remember right, they played, let me look it up, they played in the open, and I think Safarova won fairly easily. So I, I'm always interested in those real quick rematches. Um, why don't you give your thoughts while I try and find this?
0: Yeah, see if you can find that. I, I love diving into those quick matches. It's always you know, there's a theory from basketball called the zigzag theory that, um, people use in the playoffs a lot where, you know, team a covers, you know, go against team a in the next game because it'll be a big overreaction. I think you see a lot of that in tennis. So, um, please dive into that a little bit. It's definitely 6, four,
1: six four. won six four six four 6-4 in the first round.
0: Okay. So, yeah, you know, it's it, unfortunately, and like you said, I, I like Lucy Safarova a lot. Great numbers, great player. Um, you know, I think she has a fairly easy draw here. Um, but you know, when you take a look at that recent head-to-head, it's it's going to be hard for me to really look to be on her in that match, which should be exciting. Uh, um, one
1: reason I give you two back Safarova is that we know that the open played uh, fairly slow, and on these faster courts, I think that Safarova has a better serve, and that could be even more of an advantage for her.
0: That's true. We'll have a change in surface, which obviously makes a big difference. Um, you know, surface really is, in my opinion, the biggest aspect of handicap in some of these. So I, th- I think you're right to point that out. So thank you. Um, Yeah, I really like Safarova in this bottom half. I think if she can get over Martic, you know, she's got a match against Monica Puig. She can definitely win. And then she's looking at Rina Sabalanka, who at this point will have played a lot of tennis over the last three weeks in the final. So I think I will definitely be looking to grab some Lucy Safarova, Um, Monica Puig in a really good spot. Um, You know, also was excited to see Sofia Cannon play a really nice U.S. Open. She's definitely a player on the rise. I just don't think this is a great spot for her. Um, you know, I'd be looking for a number probably thirty to one or a little better. Um, she's, you know, the first two rounds here. You know, frankly, this this tournament, the first two rounds are not going to get my most focused attention. Um, not a whole lot of matches here in the first and second round to get excited for. But when you get to the third round, you're going to have, you know, hopefully Sophia Kennan playing Monica Puig, and then as well as Lucy Safarova playing Petra Martic. Uh, those will definitely have my attention. And I just, it's really hard for me to see Kennan beating Puig in that spot. Yeah, I am on. I took Puig there
1: as well, and I like Puig as an outright for this tournament. Um, so, like I said, I'm going to be really looking forward to watching the carpet. I can't remember the last carpet tournament that I watched.
0: They don't have very many of them anymore, so. No, that's definitely gonna be exciting. I was going through trying to see, um, you know, how many carpet tournaments I even have in kind of my, my database here, and it's it, they're few and far between. So that'll definitely be exciting. So from an outright perspective, you know, you're looking at, at Puig. Um, you know, I know a lot of uh, gamblers and and, and betters really don't like having two outright tickets. They're gonna play each other before the final. Um, but I'm going to look really hard at taking Monica Puig and Lucy Safarova and just being happy to have you know, the two of them in the semifinal, knowing that I have at least half of the finals going forward. Um, but any other real value that you were seeing looking in here? Well, I was
1: just going to say I don't see any problem with that due to the fact that you're getting plus 900 and plus 1,200. Um, you know, if you're getting plus 250 and plus 550, I can understand why you, you've really chopped a lot of the value off your plus 250 ticket. Um, But a plus 900 and plus 1,200, especially like you said with this week being a crapshoot and really all we're trying to do is uh, with the outrights uh, this week, just knowing that, you know, anything can happen in these tournaments. is just set set ourselves for a good hedging uh, spot in the finals. Uh, I I see nothing wrong with uh, just throw Safarova and Puig in there and you pretty much uh, betting that the bottom half of the draw uh, will win and you're getting, you know, about plus 450, plus 500 on that for just taking a whole half of the draw. That's not bad at all.
0: No, absolutely not. So I think we've got basically a bulletproof plan here. You take Monica Puig, you take Lucy Safarova, and you do a money line parlay with Arena Sabalenka, and you know that's basically you're guaranteed to make money, right? Uh, not guaranteed. Like I said, <laughs> I mean, I would not be surprised if all these women were talking
1: about losing the first round, pack their bags, and just get ready to the next tournament. You know, look ahead and and start getting ready for some of these other ones, especially the girls that are going to Asia. So. Um, I mean, we're talking about money moneyline parlay. I w- <laughs> she could lose in the first round to Lepchenko. You know, I mean, that's just how the WTA is. Huge, huge variance. Uh, huge opportunity for underdogs. Um, so I don't know if it's a bulletproof plan, but I think it's probably the best plan that you could have going into the uh, going into this smaller tournament.
0: Well, I guess I'm a little more confident in us than you are, but that's probably (laughs) a good thing to have you being a little more reasonable and talking me down, uh, because you're absolutely right. Like we talked about, it is the week after a major, and, uh, you know, like you also mentioned, this is the first carpet tournament we've had a while. I wonder how many of these women have never really played a competitive tournament on carpet, so Quebec, you know, as much as it feels like we have a good handle on who we think is going to advance... Those are two really big factors that could drive a lot of weird results. So, you know, please be careful this week. Um, I think we will do our best to be. I know, spread again, you're always a little more conservative than I am. Um, I'll be going out and attacking each match each day looking for some value, but um, probably be looking, like you said, a little more for upsets and expecting things to be a little quirkier than normal. So any other thoughts here before we sort of wrap up on Hiroshima or, or Quebec as we look forward to the next week?
1: Uh, just wanted to reiterate, I will be being very careful this week. I will be trying to be very selective and uh, just trying to put out um, some money-long underdogs. Uh, I think that's the way to go for this week. And, you know, if you're you're hitting more than, you know, hitting a lot of them at plus 300, I mean, you, got, you only need to hit, what, what, around 33% and you're good, and you'll be making plenty of money. So um, that's going to be the plan for me.
0: Today. Awesome. And, uh, I-
1: As I say, the one thing I am going to be looking forward to is form going into these next tournaments. So, um, you know, this is a week where a close loss might impress me. And, you know, knowing that, you know, you're not getting the extra fatigue, the extra time, and you're able to travel to your next spot, um, you know, I might be looking towards them next week. So this is a fun week for me to just watch. And uh, I know you're more of a numbers guy, but this is a week that I'm really going to throw the numbers out the window and just kind of look for form going into this next swing. Uh, look for motivation, and uh, this will be a fun week for me. I do enjoy the interviews and stuff, and I think that uh, a lot of these uh, women give us a lot of insight into their me- uh, mentality. They're not as uh, Belichickian, or you know, they'll, <laughs> they'll really uh, tell you how they're feeling and things like that. So, uh, I think this is a good week to really study, and I think that the Asian swing, because the, uh, for us, you know, you and I, one thing that we do have in common is we like betting the underdogs, and I, I just think the Asian swing gives you the best Um, potential to really come up on these underdogs. So I'm really looking forward to uh, doing a lot of watching this week, but I'm looking forward to a real profitable Asian swing coming up here.
0: Absolutely. Let's hope the dogs bark loudly the next week. So, thanks for your time and, and your thoughts. Spread, you know, you can look to follow us, as I mentioned earlier. Spread at Spread a Stare and Twitter. Myself, noops at underscore noops, N O P P S. Of course, give our good buddy Jorge a follow at Jorge Tweets Tennis, tweets being T W T S. So, at Jorge T W T S Tennis on twitter uh, give us a follow we'll be having picks throughout the week um, you know enjoy a great week of tennis and thanks for listening
1: right and don't forget we also have our uh, official net worth at uh, net wta handle if you want to go ahead and give us a follow on that one and uh noops and i will be going together and anything that we uh we both kind of like we'll be putting out on those is uh consensus pl- consensus play so those are always fun uh we seem to be doing pretty well with those so um yeah thanks a lot and i look forward to seeing you guys next week Absolutely. Have a great week, everybody.